Welcome to Green Shoots. This is a podcast about sustainability for people who should probably know better. I'm Jack Spriggs and welcome to episode one. Now, recycling, bins, they're not the sexiest topic to talk about. And if anybody was giving me sort of any advice on how to record an exciting first episode of a podcast series to entice listeners and get people excited, they'd probably tell me to steer clear of bin chat. But I actually think it's super interesting and nobody's given me any advice. So this is episode one, bins. I'm going to take you on a bit of a whistle-stop tour through the world of packaging, recycling, waste and resources. This world is massive and I can't possibly cover everything in the next 15 minutes, but the plan is to give you a bit of background on the world of resources, explain what's going on in the UK right now to address some pretty big challenges, and to give you some tools to go away and do some more learning if you want to. The good news is that I won't be on my own. I'll be joined by a couple of experts here to tell me what's going on. And if you like this episode, you can actually find two more episodes of Bin Chat right now in this podcast feed or by going to anchor.fm forward slash green shoots. So let's start by talking about the problem. We are uh, a world with an ever increasing population and most of our resources are finite. Not all of them, but most of them are finite. And for centuries, we have failed to recognise that fact and have thought that the resources would be there forever. That is Lord Deben. He's currently chair of the UK's Climate Change Committee, but he served as a minister under Margaret Thatcher. And from 1993 to 1997, he was Secretary of State for the Environment. Even today, he's widely considered by many green groups as the best environment secretary we've ever had. Now, we've all seen images of landfills piled high with junk, seagulls with those sort of plastic ring things around their neck, or ship upon ship of waste being sent to third world countries for burning, basically. And if you sit and think about it for just a minute, you realise that this disposable attitude, chucking stuff away and hoping it goes away, isn't really a sustainable way to run things. The whole of our society has been based upon the fact that somehow or other waste has been uh, encouraged because it's meant more jobs and uh, more things to be sold. And what we have to do is to recover a rather more sensible way of looking at waste. Everything we waste is something we don't have. But there's a bigger problem when it comes to packaging, and it's one that we don't always think about. The issue is carbon. Recovering resources, whether it's by mining or growing or whatever it is that we do to get those resources, um, it's bound to involve emissions because human beings emit. That is the nature of us and it's the balance we have to get right. That's why net zero is so important as a phrase. So the net bit is getting that balance, the sequestration right. Um, and the zero bit is bringing it down to the lowest possible amount. So the more stuff we use, the less stuff we have, the more carbon we pump into the atmosphere, the hotter the planet gets, the quicker we all die. That's the bad news. The good news is that there is a grand scheme to save the world. It's a concept so brilliant that it just might work. Here's the plan. Use less stuff. Throughout this episode, and if you do any sort of reading around the topic of waste and resources, you're going to hear people talk about the concept of a circular economy. I'm going to explain this concept quickly because when I first heard it a few years ago, I sort of had no idea what it was all about, but it's honestly so simple. 
The idea of a circular economy is essentially the idea of keeping resources in use for longer. And as Lord Deben spoke about just then, the whole of our economy is based on this old-fashioned system where we take resources out of the ground, we make them into new stuff, and when they're no longer useful to us, we throw them away. Sustainability geeks call this take-make-waste approach a linear economy. But a circular economy is about making sure those materials don't get wasted at the end of their life. And in a sort of utopian idea of a circular economy, we don't use new materials at all, but if we do, they get reused for as long as possible, and if they can't get reused, they get recycled. And ideally, they regenerate natural systems in the process. It's actually pretty old-fashioned. Use less stuff, and reuse things for as long as you possibly can, and if you have to dispose of something, make sure it's recycled. But if you speak to a circular economy purist, they'll tell you that recycling is seen as the loop of last resort reuse and refill will always be preferable to, to recycling. That's Dr Adam Reed. He's president of the Chartered Institute of Waste Management and he also works for Suez, which is a big recycling company. So he's definitely a recycling fan and I'd say he's far from being a circular economy purist. But he got real with me about the practicalities of a circular economy. We're fully supportive of a world without waste. We want to move to, to systems that are much more circular, much more resource efficient, um, but that requires a lot of change. And I think if you look at the refillable packaging environment that, that we've seen in certain supermarkets, um, where you take your, you know, your refillable bag back and, and you get your, your, your loose fruit and veg or nuts or whatever it might be. Cornflakes is another one. It, it works for a certain part of society, but it's far from being the norm. What, you know, what is it my mum expects from the shopping experience? She doesn't expect a queue where she's waiting for some loose nuts. And, and my mum is kind of average in that respect. You know, she might have a professor of waste management as a son, but she's still kind of like your, your, your average consumer. So I think, you know, you've got a long way to go before that becomes the norm. That's the background. We've spoken about some of the problems with our resources and some of the solutions being proposed by some of these sort of big thinkers and big concepts to solve some of these issues. But the UK and many other countries around the world actually are coming to terms with some of these issues right now. And they're placing their sustainability bets on recycling. In a minute, we'll talk through some of the massive change that's going on specifically in the UK to tackle the waste and resources agenda. Back in a minute. The UK is in the middle of some pretty fundamental changes to the way it deals with waste. So let's run through some of those changes right now. We've already seen the introduction of a plastic packaging tax. So packaging with less than 30% recycled content is going to be lumped with a charge of around £200 per tonne that you produce. So that's going to encourage the use of more recycled content in packaging. It's driving demand. Then there's this deposit return scheme coming in where pretty soon we might see things called reverse vending machines dotted all over town centres, in supermarkets, at country parks, collecting plastic bottles from you and giving you money back for them. There are also changes to recycling collections in the pipeline as well. So right now, every single council in the UK collects different materials. It won't be long before we see sort of multicolour bins lining every street in the country collecting different segregated materials, but fundamentally the same materials across the country. And then there's this big piece of change called Extended Producer Responsibility, or EPR. This is where I want to spend the most time today because it is huge. Well, this is the concept that those that produce the rubbish or what becomes the rubbish um, pay for its entire life cycle. That's Adam Reed again. I asked him to break down for me how EPR is going to work. 
So in, in theory, the brands, and we all know who they are, whether it's a Coca-Cola or a Unilever, you know, take your pick. Um, they put materials on the market and they will have to pay a, an on-market fee for every piece of packaging that they put into the UK market. The value of that fee will be determined by how simple it is to recycle the item. So a really simple, um, simply designed, you know, plastic bottle, which we can capture very quickly, will have a much lower fee than something that's got two or three layers and a different top and requires a lot more um, heavy duty handling by the system. So producers are going to have to pay a fee depending on how easy their packaging is to recycle. It sounds pretty simple. So that should help you as a consumer go, ah, I can see some pricing differential coming into my weekly shop. I'm going to go with a, you know, a, a PET or a water bottle or an HDP milk bottle, for example, as opposed to maybe a Tetra Pak waxy carton that's a bit more complicated. So actually, we'll probably see the cost of our shopping baskets change as this cost inevitably gets passed down to the consumer. But... Really what it will mean is that we're incentivised to buy more recyclable packaging because it costs less in this system and ultimately producers are incentivised then to produce more recyclable packaging because we're buying it over the tricky stuff that costs us loads of money. But this is the interesting bit. The money that gets raised by EPR is actually going to go towards dealing with the waste that gets produced. So the, the, the brands are going to be asked to pay for the full life cycle cost. So not only is there this, this modulated fee that's going to drive a bit of consumer change in the way that we shop, but, but the, the total budget is, well, rather than local authorities paying for the waste management services that you as a householder, post-consumer, if you like, are using, now it's like, no, we're going to pay for the entire system. So they will be paying for... The collection services that Suez puts on, the treatment, the recycling, the sorting, the reprocessing, all the way back to that packaging going back into the productive system. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? People who make the packaging are going to have to pay for it to be collected and recycled. It'll remove that financial obligation that currently sits with local councils. And ideally, it'll lead to less waste and less of that sort of apocalyptic planet burning situation we were talking about earlier. It sounds like good news. Um, but it will be a big change for, for all of us, whether it's at the till or it's what we're handling at the curbside. So why haven't we done this stuff before now? Well, the truth is we sort of have. Producer responsibility is, is not new. And, and, you know, the last 20, 25 years, we've had forms of producer responsibility on packaging in particular. And if there's one person who knows better than anybody the journey that the UK's been on with waste and resources, it's Lord Deben. Remember, he was Environment Secretary, he served as a minister under Margaret Thatcher, and he's kind of like the big daddy of producer responsibility in the UK. He told me what he got up to in the 90s to make producers more responsible for their waste. Well, yes, I mean, I, I invented the PRN system. Um, it was an attempt to meet real waste issues, because what was happening was that the Germans had decided to... Um, uh, put a real uh, tax and, and serious efforts on waste. And, and they uh, therefore said that there had to be a significant proportion of recycling. And the German companies couldn't get enough recycling done. So they were exporting to France and to Britain their material, but with a, with a dowry. That was they were paying for it to be recycled, which meant that in both countries, our pretty exiguous recycling system was not working. I mean, in Britain, it used to be done by the Boy Scouts and they collect tins and things and they hand them in. But of course, and, and, and old newspapers and people used to collect there for them. And it was a very effective way of them raising money. But of course, they 
depended upon somebody paying them, whereas the Germans were exporting it and paying for it. And so uh, Michel Barnier, now well known as the negotiator for the European Union, was then my opposite number. And between us, we invented this system. And it was designed so that you had European Union standards. So we had to reach, everybody had to reach certain recycling amounts. But you had your own national system of doing it, which was the mix which uh, worked best in the European Union. And it's a great sadness that we left the European Union, which was a disastrous thing to decide to do. And we will pay the price for a very long time. But so will everyone else, because we contributed so significantly. So the waste regulations, the PRNs and all that was invented by the British, really, um, and supported by the French. And between us, we got the European Union to do this. Um, which is what happened because you used to work very closely with people and you could you could manage to deliver that. So the PRN system, um, which now is to be extended, uh, but the basis will be the same. What the government is suggesting now, the extended producer responsibility is the producer responsibility system, which the mechanism for which we really um, worked on. So that system that Lord Deben and Michel Barnier came up with was pretty foundational. It's lasted pretty much until today. And in fact, with the government confirming a delay to EPR, that old system is going to be in place until around 2024. And it worked. But Dr Adam Reid told me why it needed updating. We were targeting a certain level of recycling for a certain value for money. So we were trying to do as much as we could with as little cost and the system worked you know we've seen recycling rates increase to you know nearly 45 percent 50 percent in some places and, and what we've seen is other materials being targeted as we've been able to create the system but they, the system was designed to get us to this level we need to get here so we're going from like 60 70 percent recycling of target materials to 90 to 95 percent over the next 10 years and that requires a system that isn't a small change, it requires a revolution of the system. So that revolution is on the way. It's going to be delayed. The government has said that EPR is going to be phased in from 2024, but from then we'll start to see those huge changes to waste and resources coming in. Your shopping basket will start to look slightly different. Hopefully you'll be able to recycle more of your waste. And fingers crossed, we can stop the planet burning us alive. I'm incredibly grateful to Dr. Adam Reed and Lord Deben for their time, their generosity and their expertise in this episode. If you want to hear more from them, I've got two more mini episodes on bins with them in the Green Shoots podcast feed right now. I spoke to Lord Deben about the politics of the environment, what it was like working for Thatcher and why Tories love green stuff. And I spoke to Dr. Adam Reed about some of those other changes coming up, about how the deposit return scheme might work, about dirty mattresses and again, actually, about the free market case for strong action on waste and resources. All of that and more at anchor.fm forward slash green shoots or wherever you get your podcasts. I've got a few episodes in my head here. There are so many issues I want to cover off on green shoots in this world of sustainability. But in the meantime, I'd be incredibly grateful for your feedback on the show and any thoughts, comments or questions you might have. You can email me via team at greenshootspod.com or you can find me on socials by searching for Jack Spriggs. I'll come up. Thanks again for listening to Green Shoots. I hope to see you again.